0: Welcome back, listeners, to a four-part oral history of the Iowa Association for Justice. Hello, I'm Steve Miller, and I'll be your guide today as we present Episode 2, Building a Force for Justice. We pick up where the IAJ founders left off in Episode 1, highlighting several major milestones in IAJ's evolution into the major force it is today for Iowa trial lawyers and the legal rights of their clients. Starting us off are two former IAJ presidents who served during a pivotal period of transformation for IAJ. The name change from the Iowa Trial Lawyers Association to the Iowa Association for Justice. Tom Wirtz, the 35th president from 2007 to 2008, and Tim Semelroth, the 36th president from 2008 to 2009. Here's Tim.
1: One of the big picture things that we were able to focus on was uh, the the name of our our association and and so uh, it how it started was the our national organization realized that we were winning in the courtroom but we were losing in the court of public opinion and so uh, it hired a uh, a famous uh, marketing guru by the name of Rapai uh to do a study and figure out if there was a better name for the national association and so some of the ideas that uh it, it we it, that came out of that were things like well we want to be for something uh not about something we we, we don't just want to be a trade association and so the idea of being an association for something was very important. And then uh, something that took into account all aspects of our, uh, our profession, uh, whether it's people that do personal injury work or workers' compensation or criminal defense, uh, was the idea that we're all working for justice. And so the national uh, group first uh, decided that that was the direction it wanted to go, and then it was up to the individual states to decide you know what what uh, what we wanted to do, and so we you know looked at the same research that the national group did. I, I remember actually buying Rapai's book for everybody on the board, uh, called The Culture Code, and 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 giving that out, and we made our pitch to the board why uh it it would be more inclusive if uh, if we called ourselves the Iowa Association for Justice and so it was uh it was an easy sell to the board because if people gave you the time to to listen to uh the decision I think they came along that way it was much more challenging to get our rank and file members on the board because uh for a lot of people, uh, being a trial lawyer was part of their identity, and uh, and they didn't want to give that up, and they didn't want to make it seem like we were backing away from our identity as trial lawyers.
2: Yeah, and I think that, as Tim said, the message that we delivered, I think it was it's more inclusive, you know, because some people, you know, we had a lot of membership that does uh, uh, family law, and i'm not sure that a work comp hearing is a trial um and so you know the identity aspect of it i think it was important to be more inclusive
1: well i mean this decision is one that uh looks better every year uh as our association has become much more assertive in the court of public opinion uh doing things like founding initiatives like accountable iowa uh having a name the iowa association for justice that uh allows people to listen to our message and not be turned off by stereotypes has has proven to be very valuable uh over the past you know 15 20 years and you know would all those things have happened uh if we were still the iowa trial lawyers association i don't know but i i think that uh, the success that we've had in that arena suggests that the decisions that we were making back then have have proven to be wise ones. Tom, you would you would concur, I assume?
2: Yes, um, I, I think that yeah. One of the cornerstones is that with this idea is that we're for something, and I think that made, it makes a big difference as far as our messaging. <music>
0: So, as Tom points out, the name change broadened the appeal of the newly named association to the general public and plaintiff attorneys and other practice areas. The result was the launch of special sections for workers' comp attorneys, defense lawyers in criminal law, and new lawyers for those just entering the profession. Cedar Rapids attorney Emily Anderson will tell the story of the workers' comp section followed by Iowa City Attorney and 2022-23 IAJ President Dean Keegan on criminal law. And finally, Johnston Attorney Amy Beck for the new lawyer section. Here's Emily.
3: So, Workers' Comp was the first core group that IAJ had. And, of course, the stories of its formation are passed down from generation. To generation, so it's probably like a game of telephone. I don't know exactly how it all started. I imagine it was in some dark basement with Mark Soldat and Tom Wertz. But I, as I, as I understand it, as the practice area became more popular, um, and people started doing it more exclusively, and found that core group could, you know, that workers' compensation could be their their career. Um, those attorneys kind of found each other and decided that they needed to not only start working together to improve strategy and improve the quality of their representation for their clients, but they wanted to make WorkComp more accessible to the broader membership. WorkComp is it's a creature of statute and common law, and it's got its own crazy foreign language, and it's a little bit hard to just jump into. And so... WorkCom core group decided that uh, they had a responsibility to help each other and then start to educate the broader membership. So they, you know, Tom Wertz and Mark Soldat and Janice Valentine and Jason Neifert kind of approached the leadership and said, Hey, we'd like to do this. We'd like to form this little subset to start uh, helping our members. Um, and that's how it started. And, you know, the mission ever since has been to educate people in this kind of niche area of law um, and also affect legislation. Um, It seems like year after year, there's some sort of workers' compensation bill that comes before the legislature. And um, our members have been at the forefront of educating the lobbyists on how to communicate our position and speaking directly with legislators
0: why would uh, a work comp attorney uh, want to join the section? And, and what do you think would be your pitch on what it would mean to them?
4: Well,
3: the list service worth its weight in gold. Um, it is a resource that is second to none for not only people who have been doing comp a long time, but people who are getting into it for the first time. You can post a question and within 20 minutes you will have the top workers' compensation lawyers giving you very thoughtful answers, entire brief points, the, you know, 411 on a judge or the skinny on a new expert that's being used. Um I cannot imagine practicing in workers' compensation without having access to that listserv um and the archive listserv i probably use that on a weekly basis um and then the the seminar there's a lot of work comp seminars you know the agency puts one on the um workers compensation council puts one on but they're all watered down because they're all meant for both sides of the aisle and Um, to truly dig down and learn strategy on representing injured workers as opposed to just being a part of the whole system, the February seminar is uh, an essential ingredient to to practicing in this area.
0: Dean, tell us the story of criminal law.
5: To understand the value, I think, of the criminal law section, you have to look at the, the dark ages of what it was like to practice criminal law in Iowa before Iowa Association for Justice had a criminal law section. Um, We would have a criminal law seminar every year and they would bring someone from legislative services in that would talk about the new bills that had been passed. And it was just a nightmare every year. There was one person from ACLU that would try to lobby the legislature uh, for reasonableness on criminal law bills and everything else was political, and every year it was just uh, horrible. To make a long story short, we kind of uh, hoodwinked ourselves into creating a section. Um, uh, we created first the forty people's names on a sheet that said they were a criminal law section, and gave it to leadership, and then yet forty people that were members became the section. But really, what's, uh, for me, the biggest change is the voice we have at the legislature. I mean, it's, it has changed the landscape for practicing law in Iowa. And then beyond that, we have a listserv and a resource library that's uh, really improved, I think, the quality of practice of uh, criminal defense trial lawyers in the state. So uh, I think the, uh, uh, it's a completely different world now than it was before a criminal law section. And it's, I think it's improved um, I think it's improved the legal environment of, this, of the state.
0: Uh, I'm proud to be a part of this. Amy, your reflections on the new lawyer section.
4: So the new lawyer section is probably one of our newest core groups. It was started with Stuart Higgins, I believe, as the first chair, and then Sarah Centennial. And then uh, I've served as a vice chair. We've had some great involvement from our members. We've had an opportunity to go from being a newer section that didn't really have a lot of direction or idea of what we wanted to do to now we're starting to really think about What does the new lawyer section provide and what do we want to provide? We've had the opportunity to do some service projects that have been great, like planting trees. Uh, We've done meals at the Heartland, but we're also doing a lot of skills building as well. Uh, Anthony Bribriesco has done a great job of facilitating some regular Zooms. Those have allowed us to practice everything from opening statements to voir dire to Just different trial skills to just help us all practice, because even though we want to get in the courtroom more, it's just not always feasible right now. So the new lawyers section is just looking for those ways to help our members that are newer to practice, find resources, hone their skills, and also connect with more experienced lawyers in the organization. As a new lawyer, sometimes it can be intimidating to get involved in an association like IJ. There's some giants of litigation You have people like Roxanne that are past AHA presidents. You have congressmen and former governors. Uh, And to find a way to get involved in the organization can be difficult and it can be a little intimidating. So joining the new lawyers section, that gives a a bridge to the future leaders in the organization and allows them to find opportunities not only to get involved, but also participate in things like the Justice Cup and help on a whole. Um, They're also able to find different opportunities to maybe ask questions that they wouldn't feel, feel comfortable asking
0: others. While the sections marked a turning point in the expansion of IAJ within the profession, the Iowa Foundation for Justice heralded a new era of inspired outreach to all Iowans. In addition to funding IAJ's strategic communications program, the foundation also supports community service initiatives, including Justice Indeed, the Bayard and Marsha Braley scholarships, and the Safe Cycling Project. Here are past presidents, Tim Semelroth and Tom Wirtz, starting with Tim.
1: The foundation was created by people who still remembered what happened when the association almost went bankrupt and they were looking for an avenue where people could make uh, contributions to for the benefit of the association and with tax benefits, in the hopes that it would encourage more people to contribute. And so, yeah, uh, you know, it was created to be that that leg of the uh, another leg of the stool that would help keep the association viable in tough times. But it really didn't have a purpose, and really didn't have a real identity with the majority of our members until uh, the, the late, uh, you know, 2020s or, or, or the late two thousands, when, uh, you know, Janice and Tom and I uh, discussed the idea of, and, and it, it was all, it all sort of happened at the same time. I mean, all these initiatives came from the same idea. And that was the idea that, that, we were winning in the courtroom. Uh, we were winning in appellate courts, but we weren't winning in the court of public opinion. And so everything, whether it was the name change, uh, whether it was Tom's Justice Indeed initiative, uh, whether it was the idea that we needed to have professional staff to uh, to manage our communications efforts that it all came from that same idea that we had to start winning hearts and minds that uh just writing checks uh through the pack was not going to be enough to protect our system and so uh you know we the the three of us and and the rest of the board I mean it wasn't just the three of us but but we we decided that we were going to use the Uh, the foundation as a tool to fund this position that otherwise we did not have the budget to fund. And so, uh, you know, we decided that we would, we would hire this, you know, superstar to be our communications director. And that was uh, the next big evolution of the foundation. And, And so I remember that we would go around to uh to potential big donors with a a PowerPoint presentation and do it in their in their conference room and get pledges and it was uh you know it was a big day when uh we got the foundation to the size that uh, it could pay for Andrew's salary
2: more recently uh, um because of COVID, we came up with the idea of having a golf tournament. Uh, since we could be outside, we hadn't been together in a long time. And uh, we're on the third year of uh, having a foundation golf tournament. And I think that's been phenomenally successful, I think, beyond what we had expected.
0: You had mentioned kind of the, the spinoff from the foundation being uh, the Justice Indeed initiative, which was started in 2008. And eventually, the association has helped and grown this to be a sustained initiative. That's that's been quite successful, supporting over sixty uh, projects since then, and it's been a huge benefit to the state and to the, the association. So we want to talk about that.
1: So I'm going to start because it's really it's really a story about Tom. And yeah. so, uh, so anybody who knows Tom knows that he is a very philanthropic guy. Uh, He has been a big supporter of uh, a a number of charities and organizations in the Cedar Rapids area for years, whether it's the Arthritis Association or the local rugby team or, you know, it's, you know, Tom is somebody who I think uh, has always uh, contributed to to charitable causes his entire life. And so when he became an officer in the association and we were talking about things like, you know, what are we going to do to uh improve our profile with the general public, uh you know, it was natural for Tom to say, well, let's start let's start doing things for charities. And so he was the driving force behind the, the Justice indeed project. and it wasn't and, and the thing about Tom is he didn't want it to be a one-time thing. He said, how can we institutionalize this? How can we make this a component of of every gathering that the association has? And uh, and so really all the credit for uh, for for the Justice indeed initiative really goes back to Tom and the kind of person he is.
2: You know, I can remember, it's interesting the way all this fits together in terms of the idea of, of, I guess, in profile. But one uh, um, national seminar speaker that we had was Don Keenan. And I was very impressed with what he had to say. And he came in and he was talking about how he had, uh, you know, caused legislation with regard to, you know, children's pajamas being fireproof. And his name got out there, his firm's name got out there so well. And, yeah, I mean, I think that we get vilified as as lawyers, which is unfair. And I think we've got a, you know, a great organization and the people are wonderful and caring and, you know, the projects we've done with regard to um, Habitat for Humanity or You know, we've gotten together, we find out some of our members have some pretty good skills and some of them don't. Um, But it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think we get a lot of, you know, personal satisfaction out of doing that.
0: Two more initiatives who played a pivotal role in the modern transformation of IAJ into the legislative and communications powerhouse it is today. Accountable Iowa and Justice Not Politics. For the final chapter in this episode, we hear from two more of IAJ's illustrious past presidents Waterloo attorney Ishan Vajpay, 2021 to 2022, and West Des Moines attorney Safin Parrish Sams, 2018 to 2019.
6: Here's Safin. Accountable Iowa started in 2017, and I had been someone who had previously served on um, the PAC. And I remember the discussions and everything seemed to t- seem to be sort of devoted to one party, the Democratic Party, um, versus the issues. And what was really interesting with IAJ and the relationship with Accountable Iowa is that as our country was becoming more and more divided politically, Iowa was, um, IAJ and Accountable Iowa were being very intentional about becoming less divided politically because things like access to justice fairness for all the constitution those are issues that speak across parties and so some of the th- the core beliefs of IHA and that accountable Iowa stands for are really things that uh, that speak to everyone who is a citizen in our state and that's i think the reason why accountable Iowa has been so successful in um, reaching people of all parties and all corners of our state is because it matters to everyone. And it's not a political issue. It's not something that the Democrats or Republicans own. And because of that, we have learned to um, find common ground with people that that the association had previously ignored. And that's a kudos to our association. And that's a kudos to Accountable Iowa, Um, for what it has done to build those bridges in a time when our country has become the exact opposite and everyone's finding ways to divide instead of ways to unite. You
7: know, we are a bipartisan, nonpartisan association, uh, but it's no secret that for decades, uh, one party more than the other has generally uh, supported uh trial lawyers and and been our quote unquote allies um just like out of necessity we had to get out of our comfort zone on some COVID issues and technology uh as the political landscape changed in iowa we had to uh look for other friends and i think the good thing about that is that we've realized there's, there is a bigger tent uh, for our issues. There's uh, through Accountable Iowa, through talking to legislators from uh, different parties, we've learned that it's not just our old friends and our old constituencies that care about our issues. It's, it's a broader audience. And I think that that's, that benefits us going forward, but it also helps us Understand our clients more. Understand uh, who we're really helping, and uh, and how to do that most effectively.
0: You had mentioned, you know, you're building on accomplishments from the past. And one accomplishment and initiative we did want you to comment on was uh, the creation of Justice Not Politics.
6: JNP was created in response to us losing three members of the Iowa Supreme Court for doing their job, and. Um, just as, and it's surprised everyone. You know, we have this merit selection system, and when judges do their job, they shouldn't lose their job. And that's why JNP was created, was in response to that, to try to educate the public about the benefits of merit selection system. And the fact that we may not like a decision that comes out of our Supreme Court doesn't mean that they should be removed from office, um we, we might like some of their decisions they have. we might not like some of the decisions they have, but their job is to apply the law as written and people don't necessarily understand that. And so this it was created to help educate the public about why look, merit selection system is the best system that's out there. It is far better than judges running for office and you know where where are we at if, um, you appear in front of a judge and you haven't contributed to that judge's campaign and the person on the other side is one of their major campaign donors. I mean, do, do we really then have a judge who's fair and impartially apply, applying the law? You'd like to think so, but it certainly um, creates some uncertainty and a, a feeling that you know our justice system is for sale.
7: So I think justice not politics has given us a good jump on educating Iowans that you don't have to agree but if the process is fair trust the process in a time when nobody trusts any process that doesn't yield the outcome they want we we got to jump on that um and that's the silver lining in that and I think it it's so much more important going forward because uh, as I just said, the whole distrust of institutions and distrusting processes that don't give your desired outcome is only going to get worse. And Justice Not Politics has given us a good head start on uh, combating that, at least in Iowa, and, and keeping our merit selection going.
0: What a journey we've been on during this episode, reliving these transformative years at the Iowa Association for Justice. Sincere thanks to our guests for their time and thoughtful insight. Our oral history will continue in episode three, Battles for Justice, where we will hear from those who have championed IAJ's major legislative and policy priorities over the years.